Amen. Well, uh, I was just on a call last week, and, um, and it was just an amazing time. Um, and um, just before that, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were gathering together with all the elders and with the elders' wives, and uh, we were having a time in which we were anointing Shauna and also Peter and just anointing them with the oil and just praying uh, over them and just, um, just lifting them up to the, uh, to the Lord as they were preparing for their, that trip back then a couple weeks ago to Uganda and South Sudan. And when we came in the Nippers' home and we started just praying, it just felt like the Spirit of God just began to fall on us, and it was so heavy that it was so amazing to hear and to see the elders and the elders' wives just walking in the Spirit and saying, God, just like what Eddie had just saying, do whatever you want to in this time, but we're praying powerfully for a move of God and for healing for Shauna and for Peter and, um, and just for your Spirit to rest upon them. And we began to get just this firm conviction out of that, that God was moving uh, not among just the elders, but just among the hopeful. So actually last week, I just talked to Peter on Wednesday on our weekday calls, and uh, it was just so encouraging because we are so fired up that here that there are also so many hopefuls that are just really pursuing God and being all in and seeing just this renewal of giftings and renewal of the Holy Spirit upon their hearts and upon their lives. And so many people who have been here for years who didn't even know that they had any giftings or they even were able to listen to the Spirit and pursue Him in that way just have started. And it's just, we believe it's just a beautiful beginning to what God wants to do in hope. That, Lord, that the Lord is just raising up just a new generation of hopefuls. Our staff kind of calls it Hope 2.0, um, in that we're kind of being ushered into this new season um, of growth, of equipping, and for the Spirit of God to renew us after a really potentially and very, a very dark time this past year um, for our world. And so that's one of our aims for this normal Christianity series. Uh, we're calling hope, and God, I believe, is calling hope to a new season of faithfulness, of walking along uh, in pursuit of the scriptures, even when it's hard. And that even means that we are able to just to jump right in when somebody is going through the messes and the pains of life, just as like what Blaine had shared, and that we're going all in, that we're not leaving hopefuls behind. We're not uh, coming uh, and just kind of leaving that out, but we are coming and walking together with other hopefuls. And that we're also just wanting to be as faithful as we can to the scriptures, even walk out things as hard as like church discipline, which is the opposite of our non-committal and you know, culture, um, everything goes type of culture. And because I think that's the opposite of what God has intended. God has called us to link arms, to press in together and run into this new season together. And ultimately, it just starts when people are hungry for God's word, as we see here in this text. Look with me in, in Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, it's uh, the story of the early church and how the early church went to the ends of the earth with the good news of the gospel in verse 44, it says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
Peter had just preached this powerful sermon, this story, and the beginning of this story of the gospel in proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit now had just poured out in power um, over these people that we see a scene that is never before and never again replicated in Acts from this point forward. The Holy Spirit is poured out onto people before baptism. The Gentiles, they respond by speaking in the Spirit and speaking in tongues and extolling or worshiping and magnifying God. And later, in this scene, in in the next scene, in, in Acts chapter 11, and in the Jerusalem council later on, it says Peter gets criticized by his Jewish brothers. And his Jewish brothers are questioning him and saying, what did you just do? And, and, and so what are you doing? Why are you fraternizing and associating with, Jewish pe- with non-Jewish people? Don't you know that's a no-no? And so what, what the Holy Spirit wanted to show is that the Spirit of God was kicking off a new season. And that's what, Pe- that's what uh, uh, Peter had proclaimed, that he is kicking off a new season, that the power of the Holy Spirit was not going to just be on the Jewish world, but on the Gentile world. And that's what we see here. It's what's known as the Pentecost of the Gentile world. Now, how did this happen? Let's take a step back. And I think when we take a step back, if you look at with me in the beginning of chapter 10, Starts with those who are hungry. We see a, a man named Cornelius in verse two, verse one and two, that he was a centurion, which meant he was a man of a military authority, a man of rank, and he feared God and he prayed continuously, giving generously alms to all the poor, and he was close to being Christian, but he feared God, and he was so so close. And so what we see Cornelius, as he's praying continually to God, he receives this vision, assuming without any training, without any, uh, you know, Bible classes, visions 101, and God gifted him with a vision to go to Joppa, to go to uh, Simon the Tanner, which has a man by the name of Simon who goes by Peter and go and find him. And right at that time, the Spirit of God lined it up so that Peter, the one that he was looking for, Uh, was also praying, and he was hungry, and he was walking in the Spirit, and he was actually praying and trying to figure out a vision. And I love this, because in, uh, in, in verse 10, it says that he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Don't you know when you go pursue God, when you're going for him, isn't there times where you kind of get hungry, and you just want to get food? And so this is what Peter was doing, but yet as he was doing that, he falls into this trance and he sees a vision of a great sheet descending and three times God, uh, he sees all three types of animals, animals, reptiles, and birds. And God says three times, what God has made clean, do not call common. And he's puzzled by this vision and he f- tries to figure out this meaning and as he's praying, again, he's praying and pressing into the spirit, he hears him saying, behold, three men are looking for you. This is Cornelius right now. Rise, or this is Peter. Behold, these men, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Then Peter goes down immediately. Again, he's pressing in. He starts recognizing these three men, asks them what their business is, and just invites them in to be his guests. This is amazing because this is table fellowship. And then they travel to Joppa, then they go on further, then they gather with some brothers in Caesarea. And they say, Peter, 
Time's all yours. Tell us everything that God has commanded you. Peter preaches, first of all, that God has no favoritism and he shows no partiality. He loves speaking to those who are hungry, to those who fear him. And then he preaches the gospel, which is the good news that God has broken into this dark uh, world of sin and suffering and death. And that he has triumphed over that with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, who was the son of God, but also who was fully man. And he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus, by his sinless life and his death and his resurrection, three days later, he broke the power of Satan. And Peter is led by the Spirit. You see Peter, as he's preaching this, he is preaching by the power of the Spirit because he is led to focus on Jesus' crucifixion. And I think this is extremely important because most of the early preaching in Acts focus a lot on the resurrection. When you flip through Acts and you look at the early preaching, you see a lot of resurrection, a lot of Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead. But Peter actually is listening to the Spirit. He knows that Cornelius is a centurion. And he knows that these men know more deeply about the horrors of crucifixion than anybody else. And so he, he preaches that, and it must pierce their hearts to the heart. And, and, and as, as he's preaching this, then God is working, and the Spirit's conviction just strikes them like a thunderbolt, and they respond with repentance and faith right away. I love this. God loves to pour out his gifts on hungry people. Amen? And it was not the people that you would expect. It was the people that were not in the whole church, you know, Jewish establishment. It wasn't the pastors. It wasn't this. It was actually the people outside the kingdom of God, the Gentiles. You remember there was segregation that we did not, that we don't even know of with the Gentiles and the Jews. The Jews would not stand within a few feet of the Gentiles. They would not associate with them. Even casting a shadow by a Gentile would make them feel unclean, much less having them over for July the 4th barbecue, right? So you can imagine the shock. <laughs> you can imagine the shock when Peter just says, hey, come and eat. Come and dine with me. Peter was challenging the culture of his day. He was challenging the cultural milieus of his day. And he says, come and eat. And by the come and eat, he was saying, Gentiles, you have a place with me. I want to love on you. I want to share the kingdom of God with you. And that's when, when Peter fell, and later on he was criticized by his Jewish people of his own, his own sect. He explained everything that would happen. He explained the nature of the kingdom. and He shared his experience that God was also ushering the salvation that was meant to Jews also for the Gentiles. That was always his plan. It was always his plan, and so they fell silent, and they glorified God and began to understand that God had appointed them with repentance that leads to life. And so, see, the Jews here, they saw that this was a gift that it was only for themselves, and it becomes unfathomable in our day, you know, just like when we look in the past, and we look at Jim Crow segregation today and wonder how we could they be, we'd be so ruthless or misinformed and racist and Yet God was doing a new and powerful work on the, and using the gift of the Holy Spirit to show that the kingdom of God is for all those who are hungry and want to dine at the table. God leaves no doubt that this is all of his work. You see, when we respond and surrender to, a God, to our God, and we say, God, I give it all up. I give up my, my life to you. I 
repent and turn away from the life that I've been living, the sinful life that I've been living. I just want to turn and trust you because, God, you have rocked my world. You have changed my world. You've made me not a sinner who is condemned to death, but you have made me a child of God who is uh, receiving life and resurrection and will share in the resurrection by, and you trust in him, oh man, he not only becomes your Lord, but he also becomes your Savior. And when you, when you come into the kingdom of God, when you dine in the table and be in a relationship with him, man, you are given the Holy Spirit. And you, God sends Jesus Christ to live among us, but he wasn't content just to do that, to raise him from the dead, and just to say, see you later. He gives us his spirit to live in us. But not only that, he gives us spiritual gifts. Here in the text, you see that they spoke in tongues and they extolled God. And so it's not super clear um, of what this is. Is this heavenly language following 1 Corinthians 14? Or is this human language that we see in Acts chapter 2 and we see in the Pentecost? But what we see this is God put his full weight of approval beyond the Gentile salvation and just through this gift. And I wonder to myself, what if, what if... Spirit starts pouring out his power in such unimaginable ways among those whom we least expect. What if he pours out his gifts and his spirit and the fullness of his kingdom power literally seconds after people who just give their lives to trust in Jesus and repent of their sins? I mean, are we hungry to see a power of God move along our body just like he's done in the early church? And I hope that's what we want to do. We want to try to go against the culture that says, you know what, the Holy Spirit's not work, no longer operating in this day. And, and we want to just say, and that's not true, and that's not what we see from just an honest reflection of what Scripture says. We believe that as we look at the Scriptures, we know that there are so many good people on different sides. But what we are convinced by as a church that we want to walk in is that, that the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament, outlined in the New Testament, are fully operational, and they should be pursued today until Jesus returns. And we don't see a, you know, one-stop comprehensive list in Scripture, but we do see enough glimpses that we get a good glimpse of what the gifts that we should be pursuing. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and 1 Peter 4, Um, 9 and 10. You can take a look at that in your Bibles, and you can see that it gives us a glimpse that there's so many gifts in the Scriptures. And that is not to, there are so many gifts, people who have gifts of administration and faith and teaching and leadership, but also there are people who have gifts of helps and service and uh, evangelism. And there's so many different gifts that we don't want to de-elevate certain gifts and elevate a certain group of gifts. But we also don't want to downplay them either. And I can't, as I look and I look at the sufficiency of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, where it says to, we want to earnestly pursue prophecy. I can't get around that. That's apostolic commands that are are telling us to go after them. Not just tolerate them, but to go after them. Not to idolize them, but to go after them and use them to pray, to build up the body together. And that's one of the things that the church is called to pursue is the spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God has sovereignly chosen gifts in line with your personality wiring and maybe even ones that you would not even 
think and dream about. And he has sovereignly gifted you these gifts by the Holy Spirit. And he's giving these Holy Spirit gifts, these gifts to be able to build up the body, to love on people, to glorify God. And it was so important that the Apostle Paul took three chapters. Let's just kind of go there. He took three chapters to make sure that we exercise these gifts in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, I'll just go through it really rapid fire. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, and, and in verses 4. We first of all, we start off with the lordship of Christ in verse 3. And he says that the lordship of Christ is the one that uh, allows us to be able to confess that Jesus is Lord. But in verse 4 it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And in another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish spirits. And to another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are creek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. So what we see here, and we see that link in the last part of Acts chapter 10, is that there's a link between spirit baptism and water baptism here. And also we see that there is an encouragement to us. That God sovereignly gives and chooses these gifts, and he's allowed it to do it in a portion to every single person, whether it's one gift or a mix of gifts, uh, to, and he's given it to, for the edification of the body, and also the magnification of Jesus Christ. We see that also in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, and that's a crash course of uh, Acts. But what we see later on in 21 to, to 28 is that we don't elevate the gifts and make people super spiritual, put them on a pedestal because they have certain gifts. Because it, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greatest modesty. And but which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. One member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so what we see here is that normal Christianity starts here. He sovereignly shaped us with spiritual with his presence. That's the most important thing. But ultimately, he's sovereignly shaped us with his giftings. And I think the, the world today is so um, filled with so many people who are just kind of content in playing church and just going and filling up an hour and, then, and, and coming home. But yet, God, what would happen if we really are, sorry, are hungry for these gifts that God has given us? Normal Christianity should just find us hungry to lean into the incredible gifts that God has given to serve his body. And I can't get around what, again, Paul says here, to earnestly seek prophecy. I can't, with any good reason, to disobey a clear apostolic command of Scripture, but I want to lean in. And I don't want to neglect what God has given us for the good of the body, whether it's a gift of administration or a gift of tongues. And so I think the Bible calls us to wrestle 
um, and stay in step with the Spirit. And this means that we should be just diving in as deeply as we can, as we can, living out the Scriptures as much as possible. Now, I'm coming from a Baptist background, you know. I know that sometimes this kind of gets us a little uncomfortable, but that's where we want to be able to say, you know what, if God's Word commands it, who are we to skip over it? And I treasure God's infallible word. I'm a Bible man. But, you know, when it comes to wrestling with scriptures that are difficult or make us uncomfortable, I want to wrestle with it, right? I want to press into it if this is what God has called me to do. And that's been my story. And um, just one story of just the fact that the Lord has been working on me. Man, when I, when I a few years ago, I didn't know how to walk in this and this is the gifts of the spirit and spiritual warfare. I knew I was totally lacking in that. I was not trained in that in spiritual warfare. But in 2017, shortly after Harvey, I was confronted with a guy who was demonized. And all I had were stories from a theology professor in seminary. And God was giving me this crash course in the supernatural, and he was telling me to press in. At the same time, I knew uh, my, my wife was getting these dreams, and I knew Joseph interpreted dreams. I knew Jacob had dreams, but I'm like, I have no idea how to interpret dreams. I don't know what to do with this. I, and that's where God sovereignly brought us to hope. And um, I attended our first night of hope, and we were struck by how it was just so normal. I mean, there was no hype. There was nothing played up about it. It was just people with a hunger for God and wanting to press into his scriptures and wanting to be faithful to all that is lining up in 1 Corinthians 14. And so if you didn't have never gone a chance, come out to Night of Hope in September 17th. That's our next one. And that's where we just take 1 Corinthians 14 and we just strive to be as faithful to it as possible. If you want a sneak glimpse, Go to the Eddie's Outdoor Worship Service, and, um, and uh, it's a, a time where our staff has dreamed about a time of prayer, time of worship, but also a time for us to really listen into God's voice. And I'll be talking a little bit about how to walk with the prophetic and walk um, and listen to God's voice. And I'm hoping that we can also disciple our kids as they're invited to come. And my biggest desire is to hear my kids hear the voice of the Lord. I am praying for it. And I pray that you would also want that for you, not only for you as it's been life-giving, but that you would, um, that you would want it for your kids. I'm turning back to Acts 10. We see in the closing verses as we close, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then he asked them to remind him for some days. I love that the spirit of baptism is so tightly wound with the water baptism. They were baptized on the spot because they were being incorporated, not just to be a believer in Jesus, but to be a part of this church. And God was giving them a fresh new community, a fresh new identity, and fresh new gifts. And maybe there's some of us that we are looking and we are speaking and needing this newness that Acts 10 speaks to that. And how do you do that? Well, it's being radically transformed by the Spirit of God and saying, God, I, I, I want to pursue this. I want to lean into this. I want to lean into your gifts. And I want, to, I want to hear from you, God. I want to, and maybe God wants to stir in a deeper passion while I'm praying desperately that God would just bring a fresh wave and fresh newness of the Spirit in line with the Scriptures as we faithfully walk that out so that we can see the kingdom of God moving in power. Um,
just so encouraged my friend Case. And first and third, we were just praying the Lord's Prayer and just praying for signs and wonders. And so I um, just want to invite you to stand. And as the um, music team is up already here, I just want to take this time. I want to spend this time, and we're going to invite you to come and uh, war in prayer for you. Um, this week, I was invited to something new. Uh, our brother Grant, he invited me to a military boot camp fitness. I said, sure, why not? 5.30, I am drenched with sweat. My abs were broken and burning. I could barely go through the reps. And you know what? That's where guys came alongside of me and said, you know what? I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to take your reps, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to run with you. And um, I asked Grant afterwards, how do I get over this soreness? And he's like, do I eat bananas? What do I do? And he's like, just exercise more. <laughs> like, thanks, Grant. <laughs> but really, you exercise more, the more you are able to work out those muscles and tear those muscles. And the same thing isn't the same thing as we exercise our giftings in the spirit. God wants us to call on something hard, maybe something uncomfortable, but God wants us to press in. Amen. Let's pray. And I want to invite us all in. Father, I know that you're speaking to us tonight in power. I pray for those who are still kind of struggling with the gifts. I pray that, Lord, if they are struggling and they're trying to make sense out of it, make sure if it's like theologically sound, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, you would continue to do a good work and you would powerfully speak to them and they would come up for prayer. Father, I pray that if there is somebody who here who is not lack, who is lacking in the joy of pursuing the gifts, Father, I also pray that you would help us to pursue that, Father, and that they would come up for prayer. There's somebody here, Lord, that is just struggling, God, who's uh, just struggling with the lack of joy or maybe addictions or pornography or just something, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, that you would have us come up for prayer. If we're new to the, to the church scene and this was just like a fire hydrant and we just want to know more about God and trust him and learn more about his scriptures, we want to invite you to pray. Everybody's invited to the table and everybody is invited to come and to receive prayer. We'd be honored to pray for you and more for you. And uh, we just ask one man pray with another man and another woman just pray only with a woman. But uh, we just pray that you would uh, just be able to jump in and dive in. Lord, do whatever you want here. Work in power. Proclaim the power of your gospel. Pray your spirit would move on along us so that we can see that your spirit, that you are truly among us. In Jesus' name.